Well, as a former United Nations correspondent, I know that the UN is an important global assembly. It's the place where the world convenes for good or ill. And so the fact that the discussion about reparations for slavery is happening here is very significant. Could the United Nations General Assembly, for example, come together and pass a resolution uh, about the importance of reparations for slavery? If it did, that would be huge because it's the closest thing that we have to a global parliament, the UN General Assembly. So my hope is that uh, it's very really an honor to be here today with Nicole and to have this conversation, but I hope it helps spark action at the UN. Yes, well, as Lauren said, um, this is a global body and the transatlantic slave trade was a global enterprise and so it is critical to not just have conversations about reparations in isolation amongst individual countries um, but to make this case and strengthen uh, both the political will and I would say the moral will in front of a, a world body that has both um, those who engaged in the transatlantic slave trade and those who were victims of the transatlantic slave trade as well as um, those countries who benefited or profited from it even if they were not actually parties um, to the trade. And also the, the UN has played a pivotal role in uh, the reparations movement and we can think about the Durban conference where um, bodies got together and really laid out what does what does the framework for global reparations look like? So I think that the UN needs to continue to lead and convene these conversations as we try to build uh, momentum around uh, the global reparations movement. But we know that you know some of your goals truly intersect. We saw the talk and we see the work that the two of you are doing individually. My question to you is because you come from entirely different backgrounds, when did you really understand that okay, I need to do this work. What, what, interest, what got you into this work? When was that moment? Can you think of a moment that you, okay, this is this particular event, I need to get into this. Like, can you talk to us about that? I mean, for me, um, I really can't actually remember a time I wasn't thinking about issues of race and justice. I, I grew up in a social justice household. I grew up in a biracial household. So um, I daily was, uh, living at the intersection of um, race in America. And from a young age, I really understood the power, particularly of media, to shape narratives, um, mostly understanding that the narratives in media about my community, the black community, did not seem to reflect the reality of the community that I lived in. So um, I got my first letter to the editor published when I was 11 years old. I wrote for my high school newspaper and I knew from a really young age that this was the medium that I wanted to um, use to fight for justice. Around the issue of reparations specifically, um, I was a college student when I read Randall Robinson's The Debt. And it, I didn't even know there was a concept for reparations. I didn't know that there was a movement for reparations, but when I read that book, uh, it was transformative because I understood immediately the moral clarity of the argument that I was seeing daily the impacts of the legacy of slavery, um, but not seeing any real effort to address it. And he just laid out uh, very clearly that we have both a moral and financial debt uh, to the descendants of slavery. Um, and that if we want to be a just country, we have to make repairs. So I, I've been a reparationist since uh, college. 
For me, it was discovering, uh, it's a very, very different story and a very different journey, but for me, it was discovering in 2016 that my ancestors had actually been compensated in 1834 when slavery was abolished in the British Empire for the loss of what was termed their property, actually a thousand enslaved Africans on the Caribbean island of Grenada. And this was really shocking news to our family and it sparked a discussion which, after Black Lives Matter and the death of George Floyd, I got to make a documentary for the BBC to ask what are, what are the legacies of slavery in Grenada today and what is the responsibility of the descendants of slave owners like myself? Do we have a role? And in speaking to Caribbean leaders, to Grenadians, I was told absolutely you do have a responsibility and a role to play here and it begins with apology and then how about repair and reparations? And so that led our family to go to Grenada in February to apologize for the role of our ancestors and to make what we hope is a, the beginning of a reparatory strategy. Nicole, mm -hmm. I think that every person of African descent living on U.S. soil knew where they were when 16, 19 <laughs> dropped. Mm -hmm. I remember Probably exactly. a little hyperbolic. <laughs> you know, that, but I, not really. I, I remember, <laughs> I remember exactly where I was, right? Along with my, um, you know, African-American friends. I'm a black, girl, a black woman from Brazil, right? And I remember that day. And we know that um, since that dropped, a lot has happened in terms of, you know, racial violence and cases that became extremely public, particularly exacerbated, for, you know, because of the pandemic and all that. Looking back at that essay, what would you say that you would include if it were published today? It was perfect, so nothing. No, um, I think that we, if you look at the project, the beauty of the way that this project has lived in the world is we have the opportunity to do something very rare in journalism, which is that we have kept expanding. Um, so every essay that was in the original project that published in 2019 was included in the book that published uh, three years later, and we revised all of those essays, and then we were also able to add additional essays um, around areas that we didn't cover before. Um, including the final essay of the book, which is called Justice, which makes the case for reparations. And I really felt that in the original project, not having a direct and explicit argument for reparations was the big missing piece. Because if we take you on this journey and we help you understand the way our modern society um, is being shaped by the legacy of slavery and so much of the inequality that black Americans experience is a legacy of slavery, then we have to give you a mandate of what you should do about that. So I think, um, I, I don't know that I would change it where it is now, but we did have the, um, the opportunity to change it for the book and to add uh, many of the missing elements. And Laura, for you, so you talked about, you know, your experience with your family and going to Grenada, and that was, you know, a few years back. What would you say that happened since, you know, did you, did you see a movement? What, what really happened, you know, in terms of like you, you and your family doing that gesture, coming forward, making it public? Have you noticed that a movement started? Like, what would you say happened since then? Professor Sir Hilary Beckles, who's the Vice Chancellor of the University of the West Indies and Chair of CARICOM's Reparations Commission and the author of seminal books, including Britain's ba Black Debt. Sir Hilary said to our family that if you apologize, it will set an example and it will be important for the Caribbean because our history is a painful void. You know who your ancestors are. They profited from enslaving ours, but we have very little information about our past. So if you come forward and apologize and engage in repair, 
it will set an example and I think that he was right because in April with six other descendants of enslavers in the British Empire we began just a loose association a group called heirs of slavery and more than 125 families from not just Britain but Australia and New Zealand too because the compensation that was paid at the abolition of slavery uh, people used that to go and settle new lands in Australia and New mm -hmm. Zealand so people have been in touch really from around the world to say gosh we too are descended from people who profited from the transatlantic slave trade and we want to explore it and see what can we do. Excellent. So our final question today, so what do you think that is the most challenging part of this work? What's the future of reparations? Well, my hope is that in the very narrow specific case of CARICOM's 10-point plan for reparations, that's the Caribbean Communities Plan, which is now nearly 10 years old, uh, the former colonial powers, Britain included, have not sat down with CARICOM leaders to negotiate on the basis of that plan, which begins with an apology, calls for debt relief, investment in health and education. Uh, my hope is that if there's a new government in Britain next year, there's a general election, if there's a change in government, that a new government, perhaps led by a Foreign Secretary, David Lammy, a child of the British Caribbean, a child of, of Guyana, that there would be at least a negotiation because we can see the harms here in the US from transatlantic slavery in Britain and very, very clearly in the Caribbean, which was underinvested by Britain for, for so many years. So that's my hope uh, in that specific area. Cool. I think the biggest obstacle is clearly building political will um, among the people who have the power and the mandate to bring forth reparations. Um, you are seeing a unifying and growing effort of uh, diasporan communities who are no longer just fighting for reparations in isolation, but are also joining uh, with African countries to um, call for reparations with colonialism, uh, with the Caribbean, with the United States, with South America. Last year for the first time, um, the president of Ghana and the African Union actually spoke out in favor of reparations, which hadn't happened before. So the work on the, dis on the side of descendants of slavery um, is very much being propelled forward. But the resistance on behalf of the colonizing and enslaving countries, I think, um, is just as strong. So how does one build the political and moral will um, to bring forth reparations, and also I think to really depersonalize it. It's interesting because of course, um, your reparations work is extremely personal. But what I say all the time, of course, is no one is responsible for what their ancestors did, but we are responsible for whether we choose to act now and the ways um, we will acknowledge that past and try to make repair. That's the hard work to be done, but I think it is becoming more and more untenable for the former um, slave nations and slave powers to avoid this issue as a moral issue. As more documentary evidence comes to light, as we, it becomes more accessible, um, and as descendants of slavery uh, continue to push this issue to the forefront um, and to really uh, unite around it, I don't think um, that they will be able to, that the former slave powers will be able to avoid it. So the future of reparations is um, 
10 years ago, I would have said it is unlikely that we will ever see it. That's not the case anymore. We're already seeing uh, successful reparations movements and, and repair being made on a small scale. So I think it is uh, more likely than it has ever been um, in my lifetime.